Welcome to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brings you great encouragement. Open to Exodus. We're going to kind of be all over the place in Exodus this morning. Just what you love hearing from your preacher. Uh, we're going to be all throughout uh, the book this morning and just kind of uh, walking through it together. I know what some of you all are thinking. You know, you memorize all my sermons. You're saying, Jordan, we just went through the book of Exodus, and, and you guys would happily come up and preach it, right? Are you guys ready? Uh, I had to remind myself this week, it's okay to repeat yourself. It's okay. And in fact, the book of Exodus is like repeated throughout the entire Bible. Wherever there is trial, wherever there is temptation, wherever there is empire, wherever there is slavery, wherever there is sin, wherever, wherever there is suffering, there is a God who is delivering his people and moving them forward. And that message resonates throughout Scripture. And so if we can resonate with that that situation plays out in Scripture over and over again, certainly in our life, I think we see, what did Ricky do to my microphone? I'll blame him for everything. He's not here, so it works. Um, wherever we see... Uh, wherever we see this transpire, where there's suffering, wherever there's hurt, wherever there's sin, wherever there's brokenness, we see it in our own lives today. And so I encourage you, pick up the book of Exodus and read of a God who reaches into the brokenness of the world and he rescues sinners and he rescues those enslaved and he rescues those who are crying out to him. And so if you find yourself today Maybe not enslaved in Egypt, but enslaved to sin and brokenness. If you find yourself this morning wondering, is God still listening to my prayers and does God still hear me? If you're wondering, does God still provide and does God care for me? Will my needs be met? Will the bills be paid for this week? There's a God who hears you. That the Exodus story repeats itself throughout the Bible and it repeats itself throughout history. That God is reaching out to you today. He hears your cries and He cares deeply for you. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we thank you. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. And we are not left alone that we are not here today because, because you've forgotten us. But God, we are here because you remembered us and you have reached out and you have cared for our deepest of needs. And so this morning, God, we give you praise and thanksgiving. And as we remember the Exodus story, as we see it play out in our lives, in our community, and throughout scripture, and throughout your story, and throughout history. God, we thank you for your continued work to rescue and save and redeem that we may be worshipers of you. So God, we thank you for this day. Provide fresh encouragement for our souls and our life that we may walk faithfully with you in new life in Jesus Christ. And it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. We study the book of Exodus. It's good to know what led up to it. We studied Genesis back in January, and then we took a 
hot little detour in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude. And that was to kind of set up for us that God is in this creation business. God is a creative God, and he creates order and chaos. And the way that Genesis concludes in Genesis 50 is this sort of looking back on all that God did to accomplish his purposes. If you're wondering, like, what are, you know, as I look at Genesis, uh, the sort of places that you land are Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. Those are some big places. You get God's creation, and then you get the whole sin problem, and, and the rest of the way is sorting out the sin problem. In Genesis 12, we're introduced to Abram, and Abram has been given a promise. And that promise is, is hey, you don't have a child, but God's going to give you a child, and God's going to turn him into a great nation. He'll be, you will be a blessing to the world. And the rest of Genesis is sorting out how God is going to use Abram to be a blessing to the world. And in Genesis 50, we sort of see all of that sort of come to a, a sort of uh, decent conclusion. Things are okay. Seventy people in all of Joseph, of Abram's family, Abram had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob and Esau, Jacob had 12 sons, and I don't have their names memorized. I might have them memorized, but I'll miss one, I guarantee it. I can't remember my children's name. I probably won't remember Benjamin, Isaacar, Nebulum, Naphtali, and that's it, right? Uh, Joseph, now I'm challenging myself, and it's, it's going to derail. So Joseph and his family, they are all in Egypt, and they've risen to a place of, of uh, high status, and prestige. And what we get in the beginning of Exodus then is this sort of concluding thing, and that is is that Joseph dies and he's forgotten. 400 some years pass, and Pharaoh, who loved Joseph and all of uh, all that Joseph did to care for them, that Pharaoh has is long gone. And the status of the Israelites is, is that God has still been doing this creative thing and this wonderful blessing. You see, God blessing Israel has allowed them to be fruitful and multiply. They have been fruitful, they have multiplied, now they're in uh, the thousands, if not millions, of people. And so Egypt looks at Israel as a threat. They are a threat to Pharaoh's power and his agenda. And so then as any empire looks at the threats, it begins to oppress them. And as they oppress, then they begin to cry out. And they cry out, does God still remember us? Does God still care for us? Does God still look out for the people of Israel? And in the midst of this beginnings of Exodus, there's a man who's rescued out of the Nile, and it's Moses. Moses is uh, what... Pharaoh does is says, okay, let's kill all of the firstborn children, of uh, male children of Israel. Let's kill all the boys. And so the midwives, they, they rescue Moses out of the water. And Moses is called and set apart as this person who is going to be used by God to rescue and save Israel out of the hands of Egypt. And so those are the sort of opening chapters of Exodus. This morning, I want us to consider. I want us to consider the story of what God is going to do to show His great power and His great care for the people of Israel. 
if we are ever to be tempted to think that God does not care for us, that God does not meet our needs, Exodus becomes this personal story of a reminder that God cares deeply about us. But it is also not this selfish sort of perspective of things, but that God is on purpose uh, doing something for uh, the glory, for his glory and his honor. All right. That was awesome, Rochelle. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're good. Uh, that's awful. I'm sorry. She's never coming back. Well, that'd be a lesson to you kids, right? There was one time when I was a little kid. I mean, I, I remember it to this day. My grandpa gave me the offering, and this has nothing to do with my message. It's just a good story. And uh, my grandpa gave me the offering, and he always sat in the back. And so he's like, here, put this in the offering. And so he handed it to me, and I walked right down the middle of the, all the way up, and I handed it right to the preacher. And... Uh, and I think the preacher said, God enjoys a cheerful giver or something like that. You all should give that way, you know. And, and I was so embarrassed, and I ran out the back, and I hid in the library, and I said, I'm never going to church again. So I can't redeem that into my message. I have no idea why that came to mind. But anyways, it's a good story. Uh, here we are. Okay, so in the book of Exodus, God has, we have this sort of personal looking at it, right, where it's, there's slavery, there's brokenness, and the people are crying out. But God is also doing something very specific for what he's shaped Israel to be. God's intention and heart for Israel is that they would worship him. And when we look at the story and we look at the interactions, the whole message that Moses is doing is, and his deliverance is, is that they would be called out of Egypt so that they would be worshipers of God only. And what's happening and transpiring in the book of Exodus is this question, is God worthy of worship? Is this the God that should get our allegiance? Is this the God of Israel, the one that we should bow our lives to and submit to and obey? As they've been shaped in Israel, their lives have been shaped by a culture that has given them plenty of gods to worship and try to appease. And their hearts have wandered and their hearts, hearts have gone astray to the point where God is now reaching them and he is reaching out to their hearts and he is saying to them, I am worthy of worship and I hear your cry. You can trust in me. And so the book becomes this journey for the Israelites, discovering within themselves and for themselves that God hears their cries and he cares for their needs and worthy of all of their praise. When Moses goes to Pharaoh, he says, whoa, whoa, let my people go. You guys remember how that song goes? That's exactly how he did it. I mean, that's probably, I don't know, it's, it's, it's in the text. It's in the text. He said, let, let my people go. I don't know if he sang it or not, but, um, you know, you send your kids to kids' night so they can learn songs like that so that one day they'll be preachers and they can remember those songs and remember those stories. Um, you know, and, and Larry Boy and sing the hairbrush song. You know, like that's what, that's the substance of faith there, folks. Uh, but uh, like Moses goes before Pharaoh and he says, let, let God's people go, that they may worship him in the mountains, that they may leave here and go and worship God. And 
Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he says, uh, that's my labor force. We're not going to let them do that. That's, that is, that's not going to happen. Moses is like, okay, well, there's some hard things that are going to start happening now, and you need to recognize what God is doing. And so God, God begins the ten plagues. And it, it, when we read it, it seems like it's quick, but it's over a period of time. It's hard to know. It's not like after a week, hey, Pharaoh decided. It, it could be a lot longer than that um, because there's seasons and there's moments where things are happening. So it could even be a couple of years. So I have no idea. But I grew up, I think, because Charl- Charlton Heston did it in two hours. I felt like maybe it was that quick. So lots of pop culture references for you. Sorry they're all rooted in the 90s. Uh, but... Uh, Actually, I think that movie was in the 70s, but I'm just showing you how hip and relevant I am here, right? God is, God is pulling them out of this slavery so that they will worship him. And the plagues, each plague wages war with an Egyptian god. And God is showing the Egyptians, God is showing the Israelites who the true God is uh, is, that's worthy of worship. Each plague, Pharaoh repents, and there's this moment of repentance, and it's like, okay, they can go do that. And then moments later, he relents. And it's, it's not until the death of the Egyptian male firstborn children that his heart is truly broken. That the hardened heart finally softens to the realization that there is only but one God, the God of Israel, and they can go and leave and worship. And so as God is working through this, as God is pulling the Israelites out of Egypt and caring for them, I want you to see, I want you to see God this morning at work in the Israelites' life. I want you to see God who is the provider of the Lamb, who is there with the Israelites, who who cleanses them and cares for them. I want you to see the God who is the God in the midst of their presence, who is leading them and caring for them, that He is this pillar of fire and cloud that would guide the Israelites through the wilderness. The Israelites, you know, they would have been, they didn't have GPS. They didn't have a way to navigate the way that, you know, we can. I'm so good at navigating. Um, I've been lost in Warsaw more times than I care to count. It's the, it's the zigzags. I'm, like, I feel like some roads should be east-west and suddenly they're not. Um, this is my own personal issues. This has nothing to do with the text, but... Uh, for the Israelites, will they be the ones that will trust in the Lord and will they seek the Lord and His wisdom and His guidance and God's powerful presence is there in the cloud and in the fire. It is the comforting reminder that though they are no longer in Egypt, they are now present with God and He is leading them every step of the way. 
even when their backs are against the wall and Pharaoh begins bearing down on them and their backs are against the Red Sea and it feels like all hope is lost and they start crying out and complaining. They're really good at it. Israelites, they're just like us. They like to cry out and complain. Instead of on Facebook, they do it to God directly and they cry out and they say, God, were there no graves left in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here to die? The graves back there are not sufficient for us. And they cry out to God. Even though there's a pillar of fire and the cloud guiding them, they question, is God, does God still hear our cries? Does God still care for us? And he is shaping these people and teaching them, yes, I am there. Yes, I am present. Yes, I care for you. And Moses raises the staff, and the waters part, and the Red Sea opens for them, and the Israelites cross on dry ground. And Pharaoh, in his pride, chases after them and sends the army after the Israelites, and the waters crash down, and Pharaoh would never bear down his threat on the Israelites, those Israelites again. I invite you to see that God is present with his people in the pillar of fire. That God is present in the water in delivering them and crossing the Red Sea. I invite you to see that God was present with them and caring for his people. They are starving. They are hungry. And God, he rains down frosted flakes from heaven. I invite you to see that God was there in the manna bread, caring for his Israelite people. Nurturing them, ministering to them, giving them sustenance and strength. I invite you to see that God was there at the waters of Mara. They show up to Mara and they're like, this water is bitter, it needs a little something sweet, something better. And that on that day, Kool-Aid was invented. I'm not sure that's actually in the text either. Study the word and make sure the preacher's on top of things. God sweetens the water at Mara. I invite you to see in the story of Israel, God's faithful, powerful presence leading them from trials and temptations, brokenness and suffering, slavery and sin, brokenness, despair, that God rescues his people and he's present with them and he cares deeply for them. I invite you to see the story of God in the midst of his people And I invite you now to see Jesus. I invite you now to see that Jesus is the lamb that cleanses you and rescues you from sin and slavery and death. I invite you to see Jesus as the pillar of fire and cloud. That his spirit is working, that his spirit is in you and is guiding you and caring for you and ministering to you and leading you in your life. That God is there and God is present and God can be your guide and your strength and your comfort and your mercy and your love and your savior and your caretaker. God is ministering to you now in this very moment. Through his spirit, through his comfort, through his care. God, I invite you to see God and Jesus Christ as the Lamb, as a pillar of fire. I invite you to see Jesus now in this very moment. I'm trying to remember now. What all do I want you to remember? Oh, yeah. 
that he is the deliverer at the sea. He was the Lamb of God. He is he's the Lamb of God. He's the pillar of fire. His spirit is present. One day we're going to put an entrance on the back. And people who suffer from attention deficit, you know, n- none that I can see here. Uh, that's a... That's a little hypocrisy there. One day we'll have all that sorted. Hang out with me just for a few more minutes. I want you to see Jesus in Exodus. You know, we live in a world where all week you're being told what what you need. We are inundated with thousands of messages each day that says this is what will take care of you and this is what will give you comfort and this is what will make you happy, this is what will fulfill you. And I get this little window with you to tell you that what you need is Jesus Christ. The story of Exodus leads us to see Jesus as the one we truly need. That he's the deliverer, he's our salvation. That he is the God at the sea. That Jesus is the one who walks on the waters, he calms the storm, he is at peace in it, and that we hear the disciples echoing this message. Who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. And so I invite you to see Jesus who enters into the baptism waters, and instead of the waters parting, it's the heavens that part. And it's God's voice that says, this is my son who I love. I invite you to see that Jesus is the Lamb who rescues. I invite you to see that Jesus is the Spirit of God that's guiding and leading us today. I invite you to see that Jesus is there at the sea and He is parting it and He is part of the waters. That He would enter into new life and His mission. That He would join the story of God's people. That we ourselves would see it for ourselves in our own life we can have new life, I invite you to see that Jesus is the manna from heaven. I invite you to see that Jesus is the bread of life. And it's not just some cute, fancy thing that Jesus comes up with. Jesus is saying, you find life in me. You will hear messages that life is found in finding yourself, that life is found in this thing, that life is found here, that you find meaning and sustenance and strength in your life and all of these other things, but what will truly rescue you, what will truly satisfy you, what will truly give you peace in this world is Jesus Christ and Jesus only. I invite you to see that Jesus is the sweet water at Mara. He's living water. And he quenches the thirst of our soul. I invite you I invite you to see Jesus for all that he is and so much more he is our rescuer he's our savior he's our redeemer he's forgiven you he loves you he's laid down his life for you and if you're wondering today does God still hear my cries God still answer my prayers
God care for my needs? Yes. Yes. He cares deeply for you. He has given us his son, Jesus Christ, that you may have new life in him. So as I reflect, how do we respond to this? I wrote out a few things for a response. That you would embrace the deliverance that God has offered you through Jesus Christ. Stop running away from the gift that's given to you today. Trust in him. We wash ourselves in the blood of the Lamb. We've taken communion together. We remember him. Why do we remember him every week? Because, by golly, if we do anything, let's remember Jesus. Let's remember his blood shed for us and his body broken, that we might live new life in him. Let's honor the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Let's glorify him in all that we do. Let's turn towards Christ's spirit for guidance. Are you asking God to guide your life? Do you seek God's spirit to guide your steps? We trust in him for our healing and our nourishment. We find satisfaction in him. Is that true? Is that true of your browser history? Is that true of what your credit card bill looks like? Is that true of your life and your walk right now in this moment, that Jesus satisfies your soul? Hey, Jordan, you stepped on toes there. Hey, Paul, I'm here with you. Jesus, my king, be the one I'm seeking. See the satisfier of my soul. I find meaning and sustenance and strength in him as the living bread. Am I reminded of that truth daily? Ultimately, friends, this whole story is about worship. Will I worship Jesus? Will I look to this world and find any God worthy of worship? Or is it Christ and Christ alone? Who do you worship? Who do you love? Who gets your full obedience, allegiance, devotion? May it be Jesus Christ. May it be the Son of God. May it be our Father in heaven. May it be the Spirit of Christ. Let us leave sin and leave death and leave slavery and leave all that all that oppressed and all that tears us down and tears us away, and let us set it aside today and embrace the redeeming love of God that has called us out of darkness into the light to worship God and God only. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we love you. And we pray a very simple but important prayer. Would you give us today Jesus Christ? We open our hearts to you, and we ask, God, that you would come and minister to us now through your Spirit and guide us every step of this journey, God, that you would minister to our hearts now. Lord, we need you.
Lord, we need your comfort and your love and your grace today. Lord, we need your mercy and your guidance and your care. Lord, we need you. We need you to be the living water. We need you to be the living bread. We need you, God, to be the bread of life for us in this moment that strengthens us and guides us in this journey that says we're not alone. You're still here with us. You're still guiding us. May your spirit and your presence be felt that we would know that you're leading our days, that you're leading these moments in our life. God, for all of our doubts, would it be matched by your faithfulness and your presence and your power? God, may it comfort us now to know that you are Lord and King and present today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness towards us. May your mercy renew us. May your presence comfort us. And may your power guide us. And may it all lead to your glory and to your worship. We thank you and praise you. It's Thank you for listening to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brought you great encouragement. Until next time, God be with you.